This is the Do It Scared podcast with Ruth Sukup, episode number nine. In today's episode, we are going to talk about why this magical idea of balance that everyone is always talking about is totally overrated. And so if you've ever found yourself feeling guilty because your life is out of whack, this episode is for you. Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Sukup, and each week on the show, we will talk about how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and create a life you love. This episode is made possible by the world's very best tool for managing your time and getting your life in order, the Living Well Planner. Created by yours truly, the Living Well Planner is designed to help you organize your time, manage your budget, plan your meals and your to-do list, and crush your goals all in one place. It literally is the thing that keeps me sane and helps me do it scared, and it can absolutely do the same for you. Go to livingwellplanner.com slash do it scared to take advantage of our special offer just for podcast listeners. Once again, that's livingwellplanner.com slash do it scared. Hey there, and welcome back to the Do It Scared podcast. My name is Ruth Sukup, and I am the founder of Living Well Spending Less and the Living Well Planner, as well as the founder of Elite Blog Academy and the New York Times bestselling author of five soon to be six books. So whether you are new and just finding me through this podcast for the very first time, or whether you've known me for a while from Living Well Spending Less or Elite Blog Academy, welcome. My hope is that this is a place where you will find new inspiration and motivation to move past the things that are holding you back so that you can create a life you love. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about why I believe that this magical idea of balance that everyone is always talking about is totally wrong. And that might seem shocking, but hopefully after today's episode, you will rethink your idea of balance as well. And maybe, just maybe, even stop feeling guilty about your lack of balance. Because ultimately, that's what this podcast is all about, right? It's about taking the steps that will help us move past those obstacles and stumbling blocks that are keeping us stuck and instead create a life we love. Because courage doesn't mean that we are never afraid. Instead, courage is being scared, but taking action anyway, despite our fear. It's putting one foot in front of the other even when we're not quite sure where the path will lead us. Okay, so one more quick little thing before we dive into all the goodness of today's episode. I have got a great little download that will walk you through some of the practical strategies that we're going to be talking about today. You can get it by texting OVERRATED to 44222 or by visiting doitscared.com slash episode 9. Once again, you can get the download only by texting OVERRATED to 44222, or you can get the show notes and get the download when you visit doitscared.com slash episode nine. 
Okay, with that out of the way, let's dive in. So every year in my company, I send out an in-depth survey to find out just a little bit more about our readers and customers. And I ask questions about likes and dislikes and where we can hopefully improve. And I also ask at least a few questions about goals. And for the last couple of years, I have also asked respondents to identify the one word that they would choose as their word of the year. And do you know what word consistently comes up again and again and again and again, usually more than any other word? I'm sure you can probably guess based on the topic of this podcast. Balance. Balance. As women, we are practically desperate for it. And maybe as men too. I don't know, but I think it's even worse for women. But we're desperate for it. It's almost like it's this mythical, magical idea that's always lurking on the horizon, just out of reach. We think it's our lack of balance that's keeping us from having the life that we want. And then we convince ourselves that actually achieving balance is what is going to make us happy. And because we're so certain that we haven't yet achieved this magic state of balance, we're never quite satisfied with where we're at. It doesn't seem to matter what we're working on or striving towards or what season of life we happen to be in. We're consistently plagued by an underlying feeling that our life is somehow out of whack and off kilter. It's this sense that when we spend too much time on any one thing, we are doing something wrong. And for those of us with kids or a family, there's even a special name for this feeling. It's mom guilt. And just as an aside, this is not meant to exclude men. There is definitely such a thing as dad guilt too. But what I've noticed is that it does seem to be a lot more prevalent for women. It's this feeling that we're doing something wrong or neglecting our family or somehow damaging our children any time that we pursue one of our passions. It's any time that we take the time to take care of ourselves, or to follow a dream or even to focus on our career. It's this guilt that we have for saying no or even not right now, or the guilt that we have for not cooking every meal from scratch or for not spending hours scouring Pinterest in order to create sandwiches shaped like mermaids and special themed dinners. It's this guilt that we have for putting our kids to bed 20 minutes early so that we can watch Grey's Anatomy in peace, or the guilt for not being the chaperone on this month's field trip, or for not being the mom that makes organic homemade applesauce as the snack for soccer practice. It's the omnipresent guilt that is there in the background all the time. That little nagging voice in the back of our head that keeps telling us that we should be more, do more, love more, nurture more, give more, serve more, be more present, be more spiritual, and be more intentional. That little voice that says, whatever we've done, it's probably not enough. But what if, what if that voice was lying to us? What if this idea of balance that we've convinced ourselves is not only possible, but desirable actually isn't? What if it's just a myth? 
a fairy tale, a trap designed to hold us back from pursuing our goals and dreams wholeheartedly. What if balance is somehow overrated? Here's the thing. As a working mom with a very busy and very demanding job, I certainly struggle with this dilemma on a regular basis every day. How can I be a good mom and a good wife and a good boss all at the same time? How can I focus on growing my business and achieving all these big goals and dreams that I have welling up inside me without letting the people around me down? After all, it's not just me that I have to think about. So how do I balance my ambition with my responsibilities? Because the reality is that It takes a lot to make those dreams come true. There is a whole lot of hard work and sacrifice involved in pursuing a big goal. It means making difficult choices, and sometimes it means prioritizing one important and worthwhile thing over another worthwhile and important thing. And it also requires a willingness to believe in yourself and to trust your choices and your priorities even when no one else does. And let me tell you, that is really hard sometimes. Because as excited as we might feel about reaching new milestones or attaining some big goal, the unspoken question that always remains in the back of our heads is, does pursuing my own dreams make me selfish? And the answer is yes and no. Sometimes we necessarily have to be selfish in order to get stuff done. Often we have to be willing to make sacrifices or to forgo one objective in order to pursue another. And there are times where those objectives will be in direct opposition to one another. And sometimes that's okay. In fact, sometimes that's the way it should be. So when is it okay to push towards our own goals and when should we hold ourselves back? When is it okay to be selfish and when are we supposed to be selfless? When are we supposed to go all in and when do we just need to dip our toes? It's not always easy to know. But I do think that there are a few simple guidelines that can help us along the way. The first guideline is that it's okay to get obsessive. I know, I said it. It's okay to get obsessive. I think in a culture that pays a lot of lip service to the importance of striving for balance in all aspects of life, the idea of obsession gets a really bad rap. We're taught to believe that it's not healthy to focus too long or too hard on only one thing or to pour all our energy and efforts into a single area of our life, that we shouldn't work too much or exercise too hard or practice too long. All things in moderation. That's what we say, right? But is that really true? I kind of don't think so. Greatness almost always comes from an obsession. 
Think about it, guys. The world's best literature and music and art and food, the most successful companies and inventions, the most groundbreaking scientific discoveries, the most incredible athletic achievements have almost all been a direct result of relentless pursuit. The most successful and celebrated CEOs and artists and scientists and athletes and entertainers have always been people who are willing to make sacrifices, to forego balance in favor of focus in one very targeted area. Over and over, the story is the same. Years of practice, intense dedication, personal sacrifice, relentless pursuit. In fact, I would dare to assert that behind every truly notable achievement is a person who was willing to get obsessive. And I would also dare say that there is more to this than just obsession. For most of these people, their drive hasn't only stemmed from passion or a desire to succeed, but from a compelling feeling of purpose, a need to contribute to the world and to do something bigger than themselves. It's a calling. For me as a Christian, I personally believe that we are called from God to use our unique gifts and talents and strengths to the best of our ability. I also believe that those big dreams, those ones that spark that fear and that excitement inside of us are divinely inspired. And to me, that means that if we don't get obsessive about using those gifts and pursuing those big dreams and about living out our calling, we are actually going astray. We're not called to balance. We're called to purpose. So with that in mind, what do you think would happen if you gave yourself permission to go all in without feeling guilty? What would change if you were able to stop pursuing some mythical idea of balance and instead allowed yourself to get obsessive about going after your dreams or pursuing your purpose? What would that mean for your life right now? What would have to change? And that's guideline number one. Remember that it is okay to be obsessive. The second guideline to keep in mind is that no season lasts forever. Have you ever noticed that as humans, we tend to have complete tunnel vision for whatever season of life we happen to be in? It's all we can see, all we can relate to, and all we are interested in. And because that season is so all-encompassing, it often feels like it will last forever. When I was young and single in my 20s, my life revolved around hiking with my dog, hanging out with my friends at my favorite bar, drinking tequila, going dancing and camping or watching football on the weekends. I was completely free to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And it never once occurred to me that it might not always be that way. And then as a newly engaged bride-to-be, I lived, slept, and breathed wedding plans. You know, it's a good thing I got married before Pinterest because that would have been a whole nother level. But 
as it was, I read nothing but bridal magazines, watched shows like Say Yes to the Dress, and spent an endless number of hours planning the perfect day. The dress, the food, the flowers, the cake, the music, the gift registry. It was practically a full-time job. And then, in an instant, we said, I do, and it was all over. Pregnancy was a whole new season, one filled with anticipation and worry and excitement and fear and whole new television shows like A Baby Story and I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. I spent all my days reading what to expect when you're expecting from cover to cover and then writing and rewriting my birth plan and discussing every symptom ad nauseum in the Baby Fit chat room. Motherhood soon turned pregnancy into a distant memory, and every season of motherhood has brought its own set of challenges and obsessions, from the sleep-deprived baby and toddler years to the adorable little kid years to the not-quite-as-adorable but far more independent preteen years. And I've yet to experience teenagers, but I'm pretty sure that when it happens, that stage will be all-encompassing, too. But that's not all. You see, as an entrepreneur, I've experienced lots of different seasons as well. There have been seasons of massive hustle as I worked like crazy to gain traction, barely sleeping, working 80 hours a week, and just frantically throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what stuck. There have been seasons of creativity and reflection where I focused on writing a book or creating something brand new. There have been seasons of building and growth where I've learned, had to learn how to create systems and build and manage a team. There have been seasons of frustration and despair where it seemed like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Here's the thing. Seasons come and go. In marriage and in friendship, in work and in play, in every aspect of our lives, there are seasons of hope and seasons of despair. There are seasons of busy and seasons of calm, times where we feel productive and other times where we can't seem to get anything done. There are moments of great longing and moments of contentment. No season, good or bad, lasts forever. And that's important to know and remember because it highlights the futility of feeling guilty about a lack of balance when the seasonal nature of our lives means that we will always be at least somewhat out of whack, depending on whatever season we happen to be in. Seasons change, and with it, our perspective of what matters most. And that's guideline number two. But the third guideline to remember is that if everything is important, then nothing is. Because while it is easy to accept this idea of seasons in theory, the very myopic nature of those seasons means that in practice, one of the biggest daily struggles we face is the idea that everything in our lives needs to be given equal weight and attention, and that if we are not completely balanced in all areas of our life at all times, we are failing. Oh my gosh, you guys, what a horrible lie we are telling ourselves. Because the truth, the truth is that if everything is important, 
nothing is important. If we are always trying to give equal weight to all the things, we will never give enough weight to the really important things. Let me say that again because it's important. If we are always trying to give equal weight to all the things, we will never give enough weight to the really important things. Not everything can or should be important all the time. It's not possible. And let me tell you, we will drive ourselves crazy trying to achieve some sort of perfect balance. It sometimes feels like succeeding in one area means that we need to fail in another area. Believe me, I know because I face it every single day. But what we don't always realize or what we don't always recognize is that sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we should be failing in one area so that we can succeed in another. Because the alternative, the alternative is being perfectly balanced in our mediocrity. And who wants that, really? But that's where our big goals come in. They tell us what is really important. Those big goals are there to help us prioritize the areas where we most need to spend our time. They are the roadmap that lets us know where we are going, what we need to focus on, and what activities are not worth our time. It's that not worth our time piece that is so important and also sometimes really, really hard, especially for those of us who feel like we have to do it all. Like anything else in life, it takes practice. We need to constantly be revisiting our big goals, then breaking down those big goals into smaller goals and determining our priorities accordingly. That means that Taking the time to identify your priorities, the things that matter most to you based on those big goals, is absolutely essential. It is an exercise that should be done frequently and should result with a concrete list of the things that matter most to you, something that you can keep close on hand so that you can refer back to it whenever life starts to get a little hectic. It should be your physical reminder that not everything is equally important. The reality is that nobody can do it all, and the ones who pretend they can are probably lying. There simply aren't enough hours in the day. We all get the same 24 hours, which means that no matter what we do in life, we will be faced with choices. So how do we make sure that we have chosen the right path? How do we know our priorities are in order? Ultimately, I think we are all a work in progress, subject to continual reassessment and self-reflection. But here are just a couple of things that have really helped me along the way, and they might just help you too. First, be clear about your why. (laughs) It always comes down to this, doesn't it? It's not enough to set big goals. We have to know why they are important to us. Because truthfully, if you don't know your why, your reason might not justify the sacrifices you need need to make to get there. 
So what is your purpose? What's driving your passion? Is this pursuit something that you've been called to do? Is it worth making sacrifices for? Second, consult with your spouse. This can be so hard, believe me, I know. And yet, if you are married, it is essential. Personally, I kind of love being in charge, and I really have no trouble taking control of a situation and bossing people around. I do it really, really well. My husband, on the other hand, really has no desire to tell other people what to do, and he never has. But even so, in all these years that we've been married, I have realized that while his gift may not necessarily be leadership, it is most definitely wisdom. I've learned and am still learning that he has a lot of valuable insight when it comes to my own dreams and aspirations. No one knows every part of me as well as he does, and no one will fight as hard or cheer me on or genuinely want me to succeed as much as he does either. On the other hand, my husband is also the only person who intimately understands the specific needs of our own family and who cares as deeply for our children as I do. There is nothing more valuable than true accountability, and your spouse might just be the only person on earth who will be totally honest with you, at times even brutally so, about whether or not you are on the right path. For the sake of your marriage and your family, you owe it to him or her to listen. And then third, redeem your time. Because pursuing a dream may mean more time away from your family than you'd like it to. It's that much more important to make sure that your time together counts. Give your spouse and your children the gift of fully engaging when you are together. Turn off your phone or your computer or whatever other distraction has captured your focus and give them all of you. Be intentional about setting aside time that is just for them. On the other hand, be very weary of giving in to the mom guilt that sometimes tempts us to want to be overly permissive or to give our kids a bunch of stuff they don't need to make up for the times we're not there. More stuff doesn't make up for less time, and trying to be our child's friend instead of their parent won't work either. Research, take comfort in this because I have. Research has shown that after the age of three, it is the quality of time spent with your kids, not the quantity that matters most. So make it count. Fourth, stop comparing. It's easy to look at our friends and think that their life is somehow better or more worthwhile. We watch our career-minded friends rushing off to work each day, looking all stylish and put together in their suits and high heels. And then while they're moving up the corporate ladder, we're still wearing yesterday's Cheerio-encrusted yoga pants. They, on the other hand, would do anything to be able to stay home with their little ones, and they worry constantly that they are missing out on the most important things in life. Comparing your situation to someone else's situation really serves no purpose except to make you crazy with self-doubt. So just don't do it. Your path is your path and no one else's. And finally, own your choices. 
Every action you take has its own set of consequences. And every time we select one thing, it means we are not choosing something else. So own it. If in your heart of hearts, you believe that you have been called to a certain path, don't waste time on regretting the things you can't do. Understand that when you make a choice to pursue a dream, you are also making the decision to leave something else behind. And that's okay. Because none of us can do it all, but we can make peace with the choices that we've made. And in the end, that needs to be good enough. And that's the third guideline to keep in mind here. If everything is important, then nothing is. But there's one more guideline to keep in mind. And this one might just be the hardest one of all. It's that it's okay to make time for me time. A couple of years ago, I did something that I've never done before, something I don't think that I would have ever considered doing had my husband not suggested and encouraged it. I went on a personal retreat. For four whole days, I did nothing but read books, journal, go for long walks and hikes, do yoga, take long baths, and lay by the pool. I completely unplugged from work and literally retreated from the world, and I slept a lot. I came back to my family and my work completely recharged, revitalized, and reinvigorated. I don't think I had even realized how close I was to burnout until I went, but those four days alone were nothing short of incredible. It was a powerful, powerful reminder to me, someone who normally thrives on being busy, that sometimes rest is the most productive thing that we can do. In fact, in the years since, I have become vigilant about scheduling intentional downtime and personal retreats at least every couple of months. I've realized that as an introvert who spends a lot of time doing extroverted activities, alone time for me is the only surefire way to recharge my batteries. And yet a few months ago, when I posted a picture from one of those retreats on social media, I was shocked by the number of women who responded with comments such as, well, that sounds lovely, but I could never do that. Or, wow, I so wish I could go on a retreat like that, but it's impossible. So let me just tell you, it's not impossible. Now, your retreat doesn't have to be an elaborate vacation at a five-star resort. Some of my best retreats have been at home when my husband takes our kids camping for the weekend. Your retreat also doesn't have to be alone. For me, alone time is restorative. But for an extrovert who is feeling isolated, a weekend with friends might be what fills your soul. The point is not what you do to take care of yourself, but that you actually do make time for yourself without feeling guilty about it. Because the truth is that taking the time to take care of you is better for everyone. Obviously, there's the immediate benefit. You get to have fun and you get what you want in the moment. You feel happy, you relax and smile. But longer term, the constant stress of neglecting your own needs has some really, really negative effects on your body, mind, and soul. 
Think about it. When we feel stretched too thin, we aren't able to give 100% to anyone or anything. Allowing ourselves a little me time every now and then is like a release valve for all the pressure that builds up. It results in more energy and less exhaustion. It helps boost our immune system and makes us feel calmer, kinder, and more control of our emotions. Moreover, taking time to care for our own well-being restores our ability to care for the other people in our life. Our spouse, our kids, our friends, and extended family. The people closest to us tend to bear the brunt of our stress. Have you ever noticed that? Which means that they also stand to benefit the most from our self-care. So while it might feel selfish or indulgent in the moment, especially when you've never done it before, trust me when I tell you that it's not. In fact, just like in an airplane, when they tell you to adjust your own mask before assisting others, practicing self-care is actually one of the least selfish things that you can do. And so I say, it is time to let go of the guilt. It's time to stop playing that tape inside your head that is telling you you are failing and instead start reminding yourself, over and over and over again, as many times as it takes, that balance is overrated. It's okay to be a little obsessive sometimes because no season lasts forever. And it is perfectly normal to let some things slide while you focus on other things that are more important right now. In fact, it might just be your calling. Remember that if everything is important, then nothing is. And also remember that it is perfectly okay, even necessary, to make room for me time in your schedule. Okay, guys, so I know this was an important one. And don't forget that if you would like the worksheet that goes along with this podcast that will walk you through everything we just talked about and give you those reminders, you can download it at doitscared.com slash episode nine or by texting overrated to 44222 right now. Once again, you can get the show notes and the breakdown of everything we talked about at doitscared.com slash episode nine, or you can text overrated to 44222 on your phone right now. Before we go, I also just want to say that I would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics that you would like to see addressed on the Do It Scared podcast, please feel free to reach out via email. You can go to doitscared.com and just fill out the form. And that about does it for this episode of the Do It Scared with Ruth Suka podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on Google Play or wherever you listen, and then go to doitscared.com to submit a screenshot of your review for a chance to win Do It Scared merchandise. Also, be sure to subscribe via iTunes to be notified of new episodes. And speaking of upcoming episodes, be sure to join me next week as we chat with one of my very, very dearest friends, Edie Wadsworth, about being so good that they can't ignore you. It is the perfect follow-up to our chat today about balance, and I have no doubt that it will inspire you in ways you can't even begin to imagine. I will catch you then.